Warning. This episode contains adult language and adult humor. Since when have trumpet players ever been considered adults? If you are easily offended by these types of conversations, consider switching to the oboe. Welcome to the Trumpet Gurus Hang Podcast. I'm your host, Jose Johnson. My guest for this episode is Ronald Rom. As a founding member of the world-famous Canadian Brass, Ron is without a doubt one of the most influential players of our generation. For decades, Ron has combined his technical wizardry with his unique sense of humor to bring the joys of music to audiences around the world. Ron is also a passionate educator who is committed to putting the fun back in fundamentals through his Rom Trumpet Academy. So, pour yourself a big glass, pull up a chair, and let the hang begin! Welcome to this episode of the Trumpet Gurus Hang podcast, and I'm your host, Jose Johnson, and I am joined by the legendary Ronald Rom. I made the mistake earlier calling him Mr. Rom, so I won't do that again. So, uh, Ron, how you doing? I'm doing great, Jose. It's just, it's a pleasure to be here with you and with all your people and friends. Uh, it's just, it's an honor. Thank you. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Um, I was uh, joking with uh, with Ron earlier, saying that uh, you know he's playing second fiddle to Aaron. Aaron was on. Uh, I think Aaron was my fourth guest on the the podcast. So uh, you know, Aaron was was the guinea pig. So I'm getting better at this. So now I can call it the big guns. So uh, Ron, let's just let's kind of get started. Uh, just kind of laying the found foundation uh, for those of you who don't know who Ronald Rom is. If you're a trumpet player, shame on you. Um, Ron is a absolutely brilliant trumpet player and educator, uh, history with, uh, the Canadian brass and, uh, you know, solo performances and obviously the stuff he's been doing with his uh, family, the Rom trio. And, um, why don't we just kind of, let, let, let's kind of go back to the early stages for just a second. And, uh, your time with, uh, the brass, I know you, you know, you've been asked questions about this, you know, time and time and time again, I'm sure. But, uh, the brass has become Canadian brass has, has become kind of, um, a gold standard in many ways of, uh, for, for brass players worldwide and being a part of that for such a long time. I'm sure that, uh, you've seen the impact that that music has globally. And, uh, you know, how did it feel to you to be able to be part of such an iconic organization? And, and what are some of the main lessons that you learned uh, being a part of that organization? Well, that's a great question. It's it's very, um, for, for, let me just jump in. Once I stop stuttering, we'll be okay. Uh, I, uh, I, I consider myself um, lucky. Uh, every day has been a gift, and uh, and when I joined Canadian Brass, uh, we went as a group to a group called the Hamilton Philharmonic, and uh, this was before we actually had a uh, name, before we were the Canadian Brass, and and for me to be involved on the on the ground floor of something that was so. Um, 
integral for for brass players to basically join and and combine their talents and experiences and 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 uh, and and become a part of what we like to imagine is a is a brass movement um, is is almost inexplicably delicious and the at the beginnings uh, there were we were doing a lot of children's concerts and so we learned that this was you know this was a very important thing that i learned that that uh, we are all children and that when we would do our children's concerts anything that would entertain children would entertain bigger children and so what we discovered is that we could for example uh, go and play a, uh, a a fanfare and we could stand on our chairs and play the fanfare and that would be very amusing to the children. Well, we would always be about the music, but we would also find a way that would be more inclusive of the people's attitudes than just the music. So, and of course we drew a lot of fire for that. I mean, there are articles about the, the Canadian brass that go back way, way, way back were, that were kind of they're amusing to, to to read now, but that's a separate story. The the we would we realized that what we would do, what we could do, as long as we kept the music in the in the forefront of the endeavor, we could actually do pretty much anything else. And we discovered that our own senses of humor and our own uh, abilities to communicate both with one another and with the audience, uh, either individually or as a group, uh, that those abilities were, were very powerful. And what we also realized, what I realized is that the nature of all good success is, and also good failure, and I say good for a reason, we'll get into that a little bit later, is, is communication. If we can learn how to communicate in a way that is um, least offensive and most inclusive, then we, were, we are going to gain the most from that experience. And the other thing that I learned was that, of course, the the music. I, we we had to develop our talents and skills on a on a on a gradual level, playing more and more challenging music along along the way. Um, we also learned that the most important part of a musical endeavor was not us, was the audience, mm -hmm. and the audience became the maximum. Um, feeling that we had to 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 relay we had to communicate with the audience and we had to gain energy from the audience because being on the road is tough we started touring we started touring with canadian brass about 1975 um so i joined the group 1970-71 when we were first getting going and we, we would play many many concerts with hamilton philharmonic we would do it um outreach programs, we would do small chamber ensembles, we would do medium-sized chamber ensembles, we would do orchestral shows once a month, and Boris Brat was the conductor, and, uh, and, and we, would, we would play these concerts. And, uh, and, and then eventually we, we got invited to do some touring. 
And so we went ahead and did some touring. And that's all because Fred Mills went ahead and, and, and got us uh, some, uh, some management connections. Fred was, anybody that knows Fred knew that Fred was the, he was the ultimate connector. Uh-huh. Fred Mills was, was the ultimate connector. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, I don't know if I'm actually answering your question, but but what I gained from those early years was a a, a desire to know more about myself, and so there was a lot of um, introspection, a lot of delving into the kind of life that that we we dream about living. Um, when we're not busy on the road working so hard that we can't dream about it. Right, right. Well, I, you know, I, I find that really uh, interesting because, you know, y- you never know the impact of what you do um, until after the impact has, you know, taken its effect. And so in the beginning stages, I like to say, you know, the beginning stages, everything looks like a failure because, yes. you know, it, it you know, it, it hasn't had, it's like a cake, you know, you, you, you put a cake in the oven, it's not a cake until it's done and it comes out. So, you know, the fact that, that the brass, uh, that you guys, you know, when that name is mentioned, people immediately think, uh, you know, the highest level musicianship, uh, great entertainment, uh, like I said, the gold, kind of the gold standard in many ways. Um, but to, to hear you say that, yeah, you guys got some flack for, uh, for your approach to things that, you know, that that's, I think that's really encouraging to people to, to understand that, that, um, there's a difference between, uh, criticism, constructive criticism and, um, and people just kind of not getting what you're doing and basically taking pot shots at you in many cases. So I, I have a feeling that it was some of each in our case because mm-hmm. uh, there were, you know, we were we were stepping out from behind the strings and behind the woodwinds, and from the back row of the orchestra. We were stepping out in front, presenting and doing it with a certain level of success, and the, that success was as a result of of discovering what it was that helped us to connect with the people. But it was always about the music, and I and I reemphasize that a lot of people did not, either they didn't want to understand it, or they chose um, they chose to look at a different direction uh, that 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 didn't understand that the music was first and and that our sophomoric presentations were only in in a, you know for us to enjoy our our presentations of the music even better yeah yeah well you know it it like you said communication is such an important thing and uh the ability to reach people and speak to them in a very um true way a very sincere way um and at the level that they're at and um you know if if there's one one problem that i have with purists of any ilk whether it be classical music purists or jazz purists or or whatever it is um it's that this idea that you have to take it so seriously that you can't have any fun with it and if it's not fun 
it's not going to be enjoyable for the performer and it's probably not going to be enjoyable for the audience. Uh, I just love that idea that you have of, you know, making the audience first and, and touching them and the, the whole idea of, you know, we're all big kids. So, yeah, well, we, we really are, you know, and the audience is so important. Um, and that's why it's so difficult now uh, with us, with the COVID situation that's going on and all, because our live audiences are, they're trapped also. So, so our audience is, is by necessity this type of audience, which is a beautiful thing, but you know we we miss going out on stage and connecting with that energy. The audience gives us incredible energy, as we all know. Those of us that that have spent any time performing in front of an audience, even if it was a terrifying experience, the point of it was that it was the most exciting thing that we ever did, and part of that excitement comes from being in touch with the audience yeah. and they're really and I, I i was once told that the that the japanese call the audience god mm. if you realize how important you can you know you, you can have a a, a video uh, without an audience you can have a rehearsal without an audience you can have an audio program without an audience, a radio show but you cannot have a concert without an audience mm. And that realization was also very powerful for us. And, uh, you know, we got to the point where we, we were the, you know, the, the major halls were using Canadian Brass as a loss leader. They would, they would hire us because they knew they could fill the hall. And mm -hmm. then they could, they could then use us to, to, to kind of filter out or, or fill in their other, the other parts of their series. Right. Um, because they realized that what we had learned how to do was communicate on a very high level with the audience. Mm -hmm. Now that's great. That's great. So um, let's move on into to your um, your teaching career because uh, you know besides being uh, such a a well respected performer, um, you have quite the reputation as an educator, and uh, obviously. You, your passion for music and communication shines through in everything that you do. So, uh, you know, your approach to teaching is, you know, uh, a big part of, of the extension of your personality. So if you, if you had to kind of define what your, your major points are that, that you like to get across to, to your students, what would those be? I think I think the first thing is that we have to demystify this, uh, the idea of how difficult it is to play an instrument. We have to demystify it and, and we have to get inside the music of the music. So a lot of times we choose repertoire that's too difficult. And we rather, one of the things I like to do is I like to work on, on uh, the fundamentals of what makes the music work. And for us, uh, you know, if we, if we, if we talk about uh, Western music, and, and I'm not talking about contemporary music, I'm not talking about third stream jazz, I'm talking about romantic or, or, or uh, classical music or Baroque music, but the, the idea of phrase and shape and, and concept of, of doing the things that allow us to, to be expressive. And uh, that's something that's, that's not very often um, uh, discussed in terms of, of uh, applied teaching. And I love to just get inside the music with the students and say, okay, where's this going? What, what's happening here? 
is okay and and we talk about yeah we talk about the chord progressions and we talk about the 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 the, the structure the harmony the, you got a melody line you got a harmony line you got you got you got a bass line you got you got a rhythm 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 course and and all of these things all fit together to create an environment and that environment of the music is our safe place our beauty place okay and I like to imagine that my studio, for example, when I'm actually in the studio, I've been teaching all since since March here from from this uh, location, which is down in Florida. And I've been doing all my teaching, including my literature course. I'm teaching the literature literature course on, on online. And so it's been really interesting to work with the students and and to transcend the barrier of the screen and the Internet. And it's really interesting, but the, the the concepts are the same. We need to get inside the music. We need to simplify it and make it beautiful. What makes it beautiful? Well, with with trumpet playing, it's a sound. If you don't sound good, nobody wants to hear you. Okay, <laughs> and so 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 how do we make a beautiful sound? Well, that that reverts to to the fundamentals. It's it's wind in. It's a wind instrument, so it's air in and wind out. So so whoosh. And how do we make that happen? So we make the we make the lips oscillate and the air vibrates and all of those little details. And those are just the the nuts and bolts. But we know, we've got to assemble it, or we got to have to look at it and feel it as part and parcel of a musical line. It starts here. It moves through here. It goes to here. And it goes to there, and then it starts again, and goes again, 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 and on and on and on. So that's the basic overarching concept that I espouse. And then I also want all of my students to to have a good grounding in a variety of different musical styles, so that when they go, when they get, if they are lucky enough to get hired to go and play uh, in in somebody's section, and it happens to be a salsa band, they don't go stepping in the beats. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> they, they feel where the beat is, where 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 the ictus is. If are we, are we on the front side? Are we on the middle of the beat? Are we on the back side of the beat? Are we is is the is the push here? Is the push there? Is the pull here? Is the pull there? What are we going to do? And what does the actual shape of the music have us do with the phrasing? Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, those are such fundamental concepts. And, you know, I like, like, I think anything else, the, the, um, the secrets to what makes things beautiful have little to do with these grand cosmic kind of ideas. They're just really simple principles, exceptionally simple principles that when you execute those principles well, then everything else falls into place. That is very, I agree 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's really great. And, uh, you know, it, it sounds to me like, um, you know, you are the kind of teacher that most of us <laughs> wish we had when we were growing up at some point during our career. Uh, that, uh, that combination of, um, you know, this is what you need to do, you know, being very clear on, on what the requirements are but doing it in a way that doesn't stifle the love and the joy um, that 
brings people to that point because especially if you're in college, you know, if you're if you're a trumpet major in college, that means you've probably spent a number of years playing the trumpet. And the only reason you played that much 99% of the time is going to be because you loved it. And I was one of those people that loved it until that point, which I began to hate it. And, uh, you know, some, some of it's my own fault. And, you know, I actually take, I've take the, take responsibility for everything because it's the way I re, you know, responded to situations. But, um, you know, I think that a lot can be done in terms of, you know, when the people that mentor you, uh, can either guide you down. It's like star Wars. They can either guide you down the, the, you know, the, the light side or the dark side of the force. So, uh, you know, it seems to me like you are, you are dedicated to drawing people, keeping people on that path of, of, uh, an enlightened path, if you will, of, uh, towards trumpet playing. Um, so for you, when you first started playing trumpet, I mean, what was your kind of aha moment of like, you know, I, I could see myself doing this for the rest of my life. Um, I have to, I have to recall what actually, what actually happened. Um, so I'm going to give you a little background and then, then hopefully we'll arrive at that aha moment. <laughs> I, I grew up, uh, my, my mother was a classically trained clarinetist who couldn't take a scholarship to the Juilliard school because she had to work in her dad's bakery. Okay. And my father was an avocational semi-pro drummer who could hear half hours. He had a great time. And, <laughs> and uh, we always had music playing. Everything from, everything from uh, Mickey Katz and, 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 the, and the, the, to, to, to opera, to, to symphonic music, to big band jazz. Every, there was always something in the house playing, either on the radio or on. We had these record players, you know, for a lot of people that don't, that are the younger crowd, they don't remember what record players were because they, it was after that. And uh, so there was a there was a, like a, a big vinyl disc that you would put on a <clears throat> on a turntable, and then you would pick up very carefully this this needle which was electronically connected to an amplification system, which would then go out the speakers. And when you would, and you get the music, the music would play. So one day, one day, uh, I, I went to elementary school uh, about a block and a half from my house. And I came, I used to come home for lunch. So one day I came home for lunch and there were these sounds coming out of the radio. But prior to that, let me go back even further for a second. I know I'm, I'm taking a lot of time. I apologize for that. Oh, take your time, take your time. Uh, but, but we had, I, I, when I was seven, my, my parents had me take piano lessons and I was never very good at the piano and I'm still not very good at the piano, but that's okay. That's another story altogether. Um, and we had a piano tuner who would come to the house and he once looked at me and said, you would make a wonderful cornetist. You know, he had a little shop downtown Los Angeles, and I think he had a cornet that he wanted to sell. And so we went down to his shop, and I tried this cornet, and I could not get a sound, nothing. I couldn't figure out what to do, nothing. I couldn't get it to go. And, and I guess I was about eight at the time. And, and um, so it was a year later, and I came home for lunch one day, 
And I heard these sounds coming out of the, the radio. And I said to my mother, Mom, what's that? Who's that? And she said, that's Louis Armstrong. He's a cornetist. And I said, that's what I want to do. And so my folks got me a trumpet. Now, you know, the, the cornet was not in vogue in those days. It was, you know, it was in the 50s. And, and the, in Los Angeles, everyone was playing trumpet right now at that particular point. Right. So they got me a trumpet and I got started. And, and this time it took. It took and I could do it. I could do it and, and I could learn to read quickly. And I could learn to play in different keys. And I could play the trumpet. I could play tunes. And my mother, who was a clarinist, would sit with me and, and, and play duets with me and make me, make me play. And she, and she would sit in the front room. And I would practice in the back room of the house. And, and I would hear, I would be practicing along. And I would hear, is that beautiful enough from the front room? And, and she said, it's not beautiful enough, make it more beautiful. So, <laughs> so I would, that was my inspiration on how that wanted to do. And the aha moment came when I was actually able to do those things. Mm -hmm. I could actually play a tune and make it sound like a tune. And it wow. was incredible. Yeah, that, that magical sense of satisfaction. Yeah. You know, I always tell my students uh, that, you know, that they, they get so overwhelmed with the, with the schoolwork. I, I'm, I'm reverting back to the previous point a little bit. But in, in teaching, um, there's one thing that they forget a lot. We did not choose music. Music chose us. There's some cosmic relationship between the sonics and the feeling of the of, of, of the, the, the environment, the nature support, music, and, and the, the, the changes it causes in, the, in the, the synchronizing of the hemispheres of the brain. That, before we knew all that terminology, all we knew was something happened and music chose us. I see you smiling, so I know you know, you know exactly from where I'm coming. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they forget that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And they forget that the trumpet is their friend. When, when everything's going to hell in a handbasket, go play the trumpet. The trumpet's your friend. Mm -hmm. Play something that you like, play something that you know, and then feel better. And yeah. make yourself feel better because what you were you were given a gift of of being involved in music. Yeah. And the gift of being able to play an instrument is a superior gift to almost anything else. I mean, we need we need the audience. Without an audience, we have nothing. We have people who play the radio. That's the best thing they can do, which is wonderful. We appreciate every one of them. But for those of us who are given the gift of, of being able to play and, and, and make music or, or interpret the music or uh, wear the music like an overcoat, we, <clears throat> that really, that really uh, is something so special. That gift um, is so special that, that, when, that we, we need to remind ourselves when, when it's raining out there and, and there are too many things to do and, and there's a test that we have to study for and there, there's a project that we haven't done yet and, and, and we don't understand this particular equation or there's some... Put that all aside for a few minutes Remember the trumpet's your friend, 
visit your friend, empower yourself then to feel better about everything and then go back and do the other tasks. Yeah. Well, you know, that it's kind of interesting because um, in my, uh, my studies of, of martial arts, um, you know, that's, that's been a big part of my life as well, that um, in, in Chinese, they don't use the word practice. So, uh, or at least the, the word that they use when, they, when they're describing what you're doing is not called practice. So uh, I, one day I was at a, at a performance, uh, at, at a competition, and uh, they're having a big master's demonstration, and uh, I was asked to perform. And one of, the, one of my, my friends who, who only spoke Chinese asked what I was going to do for uh, my presentation. And the word that he used was not perform, he said, Jose, what are you going to play for us today? And I kind of looked at my teacher who spoke English and Chinese, and um, he explained later, he said, yeah, in Chinese, they use the term lian. Lian means to play. So uh, there's that level of freedom and enjoyment and uh, the emotional connection to what you're doing instead of, you know, I'm going to practice or I'm going to perform or whatever there, you know, which can have kind of a, you know, either a negative or kind of a generic con connotation. But when you say play, there's this joy that is associated with it. So I love the fact that as you were going through that last discussion about things, you use the word play, 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 play. And I think a lot of us lose track of that. And, uh, yeah, we got, we got to get back to the joy. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, that's the, <clears throat> that's very powerful. Thank you for telling me that about uh, uh, about the martial arts because uh, it's just it's it it is really so. You know, we uh, the, uh, I studied a little taekwondo uh, and 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 you know when we're learning forms and things like that, uh, everybody does them. Doesn't matter what how where you are in the in your course, but everyone starts with form one, and you go to form two, and form three, and help. And the and the older people help the younger people, and the and whether they're younger or not, the the more experienced ones help. The, and that philosophy is exactly what I've modeled my trumpet studio after as well. So I had trumpet teams. You know, when I came to the University of Illinois. Um, I I had a bunch of ideas that I wanted to I wanted to try, and one of them was an open studio where everybody attended everything. So if 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 someone wanted to drop in on a lesson, they were absolutely invited. Come and sit down, have a good time, bring your instrument. We may play some duets, trios, quartets. Maybe that may be later, or maybe not. Uh, and and then I I formed trumpet teams, groups of two, three, four, five that would practice together that would develop things that would make presentations that would do things to play together and the concept of 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 that um is very much in tune with what you were just talking about the idea of play yeah yeah well you know i think that um if there's one thing that i picked up from you and it, it's also apparent in your son is there's this deep sense of joy and love for life and it's expressed in your playing it's expressed in your teaching it's expressed you know just when when you sit there and just you know shoot the bull with each other 
Um, you know, there's, there's the humor, there's the love for just being alive. And how do you manage to get that across to people, the importance of having this, uh, maintaining that childlike, if we go all the way back to the beginning, that maintaining that childlike uh, expression and enjoyment from music. How, how, can you, how can you share that with other people that, that you're instructing? I, th I think we only share by example, just as you do. We, we, we put a smile on our face and we, we decide that that's, <clears throat> that's what's what we need to be doing is, is we need to be in, in the, that eternal search for the childish innocence that makes everything we touch uh, uh, a new experience again. And, and uh, that's, I don't know how to describe it except that, that you know, along the way, we've all, those of us that, are, that have been on the planet a while, and, and I've been on the planet a while, as you can tell from the, my, my hair, and lack thereof. I'm right here with you. <laughs> it's okay. Um, those of us that have been on the planet a while realize that there has been a systematic attempt by um, educators, adults, peers to beat this initiative and our curiosity out of us. And it is only incumbent upon us to either yield to that and pass it on or to break that cycle and then pass on the youthful enthusiasm, that childish wonder, the joy of something new, um, you know, taste this fermented bean curd. That tastes terrible. Great. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> Perfect. So, so, so you go to a smorgasbord, and 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 if you see that fermented bean curd on the smorgasbord, you're not going to eat that, or you may want to try it again to see if it was better than the last one you had. Exactly. But the idea of discovery, the idea of discovery, is another thing that we then need to share with each other. And and uh, I I just I. I appreciate that. What I appreciate, appreciate most about this kind of interaction is because we don't know each other. And it's 100% discovery. Right. 100%. So even if we said something that, that, that pushed a button and, and, and didn't appeal to us, it would still be discovery. Right. And. And, and I appreciate that more than I can express in words. It is just, it is, um, I use the word delicious before I use it again. It's absolutely delicious. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the, there are interesting portions of, of the way our brain has, has been, has developed over, over the centuries. Um, but the, the curiosity uh, discovery, that, that's, that's a major component of us. And, and that's something that, uh, is hardwired into into the, our, our neural pathways. Uh, you know, our forefathers had to balance that insatiable quest for new knowledge and experience, whether it be just you know this you know this fruit looks interesting, it looks delicious, you know, and you know do do you live or do you die? Um, to to <laughs> what is you know. Or, 
our, our studies of, uh, you, know, you know, our exploration of space, our, our, our studies of, of the sciences, the arts and things like that. So those are all driven by this quest for discovery. But the balancing energy, the yin yang of it, the balancing energy is fear because, you know, we understand that, that stepping into the unknown while, while it can be very, you know, exciting, uh, it can be scary. And, um, you know, our ability to overcome that fear of meeting a new challenge of experiencing something that we've never done before. I think that's the, the thing that holds most of us back and prevents us from, from reaching our, our true potential. So when it comes to yourself, how have you managed to step outside of, of the, that box that holds so many of us in place and just, you know, daily continue to, to push yourself towards experiencing new things? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I don't think I've done that, but what I, what I like to imagine that I do is, is, uh, I, I fear everything, Jose, I fear everything. There's nothing that I'm not afraid of, but when, when that's the baseline, (laughs) when that's the baseline, then, then we're saying, okay, I, I'm afraid of this, but I was still able to do something. Okay. So. I have decided to let very few things stop me from doing the stuff that I need to do in order to either communicate better or play music better and, and better, better. That's a, that's a, that's almost a pejorative word. I don't mean to mean, I don't mean to say that. Um, We know what better means, but, but more, more, more interestingly, you know, or, or what, whatever we we do. So, so I'm a guy who 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 uh, you know I I I bought a Porsche in 1965. I still have it, incidentally. It's a 1964 Porsche, and it's sitting in the garage waiting for me to work on the points and the, and 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 change out some uh, fuel line and stuff like that to get it going. And I'm a guy who rode motorcycles. I, I put a hundred thousand miles on motorcycles. And I'm a guy who flew an airplane for for thirty three hundred hours, and uh, and 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 uh, I you know I mean and I've lived my life on stage, <laughs> and I've done live television and live radio and 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 I failed at pretty much everything you can fail at. Good for you. <laughs> and and I'm and I'm still afraid of stuff, but it hasn't stopped me because I've decided. At some point along the way, I decided, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have two choices here, forward or backward. There's no standing still. Right. If you're standing, I, I read a little article, uh, Tiger Woods wrote, uh, you know, if, if, if you're standing still, people are passing you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so <laughs> ah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, there's a, 
a business coach that uh, I, I read and listen to a lot of his stuff, and and he was sharing a story. And this is kind of one of my favorite stories about fear. And he was talking about uh, he's probably close to your age. Um, he was an enlistee during the Vietnam War. So um, he was talking about uh, the first day that they were in boot. Well, they were in boot camp, and one day their drill sergeant said uh, tomorrow you're going to learn how to throw a live grenade and uh, he said you know make sure you get a good night's sleep this is going to be you know a really tough day and it just so happened that that day one of the other platoons one of the uh the the enlistees had an accident and was killed in the same training ex you know exercise and so the next day they they show up to do the grenade exercise and the drill sergeant says you know how many of you are afraid and nobody raised their hands except for this one gentleman and uh you know it, because you know they're trying to be macho you know they're soldiers they're not afraid of anything and he raised his hands and he said good you should be afraid because this is a dangerous exercise and he gave this definition of fear and courage and i love it and i stick with it to this day and the definition is fear is wetting your pants. Courage is doing what you need to do with wet pants on. <laughs> so the, the idea that, yeah, there, fear is a natural response and we, we do have fear, but we have the ability to still move forward from it. And to many times, uh, like you're saying, the trumpet is your friend is to, to kind of make friends with it and understand that when you feel that fear, that that's a, that's a sign that there's something you don't know yet. There's something you haven't experienced yet. There's something you're not sure of yet. So, you know, to me, that's, that's a sign of, Hey, let's get into it. Let's, let's, let's figure this thing out so that I can make friends with it. So, so is that what you do in your martial arts competitions as well? Uh, that was a big part of what I did. Uh, that's actually kind of why I got in uh, really serious into to training and competing was because um, I actually had stage fright as a musician. Mm, good. Because, uh, you know, put me in an ensemble, I'm solid. Make me a soloist, I would freeze. And I, I realized I needed to do something to get past that, and that was, that was the way I chose. And, um, you know, learning the self-reliance and learning that, you know, hey, you can make mistakes and it's not the end of the world and, you know, just, just moving on. So, um, but yeah, so for, for my business, for everything that I do, it's, there's, it's making friends with fear. It's making friends with being uncomfortable. It's, uh, you know, just enjoying the challenge and, and looking at it with that, that childlike wonder of, you know, well, what's going to happen next? <laughs> you never exactly. know. Yeah, it is true. Yeah. So speaking of what's happening next, uh, you're kind of in a, uh, uh, you're starting a, a new project uh, with your uh, ROM Trumpet Academy, going with uh, this virtual academy. And I, I can say that I have uh, been lucky enough to be one of the, the early adopters of this program. And there's some great information. And so there'll be a link in the, uh, the show notes here. So if you're interested in, in checking that, I highly recommend it. But uh, what was kind of the impetus for you uh, getting going in this direction? Well, actually, it turns out that Aaron and I were discussing exactly this kind of an idea of doing an academy. And, and we decided together 
that the best player, we're thinking of all the best players we know, we're naming them all, you know, and, and, and all the best players had the best fundamentals. And the players who were the weakest seemed to have a, an absence of that good fundamental basis. And so we said, okay, we're, we'll build, we'll build a, a, a program based on fundamentals, but in an order to, you know, the fundamentals are a building block in order to be able to play tunes. And so uh, we, we went ahead and we started building this course, which we call Ronnie Rahm's Fundamentals Mania. <laughs> okay. And, and basically, as you know, it, it is fundamentally based uh, we do everything from from sound production to to uh, you know mouthpiece playing. There are there's a series of master classes. It's a set of there's a set of routines, and you go from step to step to step to step. And again, it's very very similar to good martial arts training, and and it is very organized. I believe it's organized. At least the, in my mind, it's organized. And <laughs> That doesn't mean my mind. not as organized as my desk. My desk is organized because I just know what pile is what. <laughs> That's me too. As you take a look behind me, you can see. <laughs> so, so the 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 uh, the idea is that we we play, we do everything. We do scales, we do fundamental, we do sound, we do slurring. Everything's a long tone. So if you start out with a concept of wind in and wind out, everything's a long tone, and we work our way up from the technique of, of beautiful sound to the technique of creating a, a scale based and a, and a, and a, a uh, um, we do some note bending and we do some uh, articulations and we do, we do pretty much all the fundamentals, but it's rolled into an eight week course. And uh, the, the, the people that subscribe to the course can, can take as long as they want week to week, uh, you know, set to set or program to program uh but it's you know it's laid out if you're a really good learner you could do it in eight weeks but i why would you just do it in eight weeks what you would spend more and more and more and more and more so we do that and and uh, so we this is actually yeah this has been going fairly well and uh, and we want it to go even better so so uh, we're you know we're just kind of uh, getting people involved and we you know we really appreciate your your response and uh, as a matter of fact uh, Aaron and I were talking we've got a um, we've got a special deal that we can advertise can I pump that up a special deal we have a special yes. deal absolutely but there's more <laughs> it's a special deal uh, it, the the um, those that want to subscribe can can go to uh, our to the romtrumpetacademy.com and go and and uh, for for a code code word guru 100 they will get $100 discount off the off the price of the entire course $100 you're yep. crazy ron well but crazy is not stupid <laughs> Do you remember the old Crazy Eddie commercials? Crazy Eddie. He's crazy. I do. Crazy Eddie, yeah. I was in New York at that time. I was I was in school at the Juilliard for Crazy yeah. Crazy well, Eddie days. Yeah. So so Guru 100 is is the code and you'll get you and and uh, and you know you log on with that as your code and you'll get a $100 discount.
Awesome, awesome, and it's it's worth every penny. Um, yeah, I, I am a firm believer in everything from uh, my my musical studies, uh, my martial arts studies, my business studies. Uh, surround yourself by people who have a proven track record uh, that have the the abilities, the skills that you want to emulate, and learn from them because. As Ron has already said, he's made more mistakes than you may. If you've, if you've only been playing trumpet for, for 10 years, I can guarantee you that Ron's made more mistakes than you've made in your career. <laughs> but I can guarantee what, that too, yeah. But that's what makes you great. You know, that's, that's the, the sign, you know, of, of, of real skill is that willingness to, to go out, to make the mistake, and then to just keep working it until you get it. I mean, LeBron, LeBron James recently, uh, you know, fourth MVP in his career um, as a basketball player. Um, you know, he doesn't hit every shot. Uh, he doesn't win every game. But what makes him so great is just that unstoppable attitude and just the willingness to help others, to bring them along, and to seek the help of others uh, in getting to where he is. So, you know, if you can take advantage of this ROM Academy, trust me, it will be a life-changing experience for you, and uh, you can you can send the uh, the endorsement check to me later, Ron. It's okay. <laughs> okay, we can do that. So 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 the other things that are that are uh, implicit in this course there there's a Facebook page, is a group, so you're part of a community, so everyone is involved, and it's on a regular. Uh, we, you know, we make submissions all the time. We write articles, and uh, and you know, questions and answers are are encouraged. And, uh, and we have, we always, we may not have an answer right away, but we're going to get one for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent to, uh, you know, the solid fundamentals, you know, as uh, just talking about like LeBron James and, or, you know, people like that, you know, any sport, any activity, uh, you said the people that are, that are at the highest level, um, it's mostly because their fundamentals are just so solid. And uh, it's not the sexy work to do the fundamentals, but, you know, I will have to say that you're bringing sexy back to fundamentals. So uh, <laughs> uh, you're putting We're the not allowed to use that term, you know, that's that that term is for vote and in the university environment. Do you know that it is? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. we can't we can't use the, the, there's a whole bunch of things that we have to watch out for. Well, thank goodness I'm not in the university environment then. <laughs> We're okay. We're on the internet. We can we can say pretty much anything. That exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, um, and, you know, speaking of of uh, you know you and and Aaron, um, you and Aaron and your wife Mavis uh, perform as the Rom Trio. Um, I asked Aaron this question. Hopefully, you didn't hear his answer to it. Um, because I'm going to ask you the same question. Uh, what's it like working with, uh, you know, your family? You know, I, I grew up with a family band. Okay. My, 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 my family, when I was a youngster, had a band, a dance band called the ROM Antics, ROM hyphen Antics. And, and so I had that environment very early on, but working with the trio is extraordinary because first of all, the level is really high. 
Uh, Avis is a Steinway piano artist, so she doesn't mess around. And and you know you know Aaron's and my playing, so we're we're always at it. We're just trying to trying to get things to the, to sound well, to sound their best, and uh, to to the point where it's when we are in rehearsal, we're direct, we're honest. We're not mean to each other, but we're honest and we say we say what we need to say and we work hard to make sure that everything is uh, improving all the time. And so when we listen to ourselves back and we, we record our, our rehearsal a lot. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, lately we've been really amplifying that as well because we're doing a lot of videos. Uh, we have a Patreon page for people who are interested to go to the ROM Trio, romtrio.com and check out our Patreon page and, and uh, subscribe and, and, and see our videos. Um, <clears throat> we just got ourselves, uh, we're, we're delving into the different, uh, some of the different neat aspects. I, 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 I procured a ribbon mic and I love ribbon mics for trumpet sound. Mm -hmm. so for trumpet players out there, yeah, ribbon mics. Ribbon mics forever. I've been Wouldn't using them for years and years. Uh, I bought a Royer. Okay. A Royer, and uh, it's actually it's it's the the less expensive one, the ten, and it is extraordinary. It's just exquisite, just beautiful. You get it's delicious. That you need, yeah, it's also delicious. I mean, from what I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> the sound is really really great. And so anyway, so we 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 work uh, under the assumption that we are preparing things for live performance again. And in the interim, we are videoing our performances, uh, and people can until until we can go out there and do them live. We're we're uh, we're doing them we're doing them for video. Uh, we have some uh, live streaming events coming up as well. Uh, so we have a couple of concerts that we're going to go out and, or I think we'll probably live stream them from here. Mm -hmm. And because uh, we have we have our turns out that our living room is a marvelous recording studio. Hey, just better. Yeah, so <clears throat> so we you know we turn on the video and and we and we go we play. Mm. Yeah, that sounds great. So yeah, definitely uh, make sure that we'll uh, put links for the Patreon page down there as well. So folks, just make sure you you keep up with the good music. Um, so I mean, for so many people during okay. uh, these uncertain times. Um, music has been a refuge for them um as a musician um what's been your refuge what's been your your source of strength and support during uh during this pandemic my family my family without my family i'd be i'd be trash and uh so <clears throat> normally my day my day starts out where we have breakfast in the morning and coffee and all the stuff that, that, that Americans are not supposed to do when you do. And then we go out for a walk. I go out for a two, three mile walk every morning. And, uh, and then I get back and get to my trumpet and do my warm up routine. And uh, I've just got this, uh, you're a Warburton guy. So I just got this, I don't know if you can read this. Probably not. No. Uh, mm. Almost. Almost. Romulator. The Romulator. Oh, very nice. Oh, the Romulator. And I've got my own signature mouthpiece as well. Let me see if I can find it. I don't know if you can see. Uh, I got to back up. No, I can't yeah. see it. 
It says Ron Rom on it. Anyway. <laughs> and and so anyway, I get to the trumpet and and I do my and then I'm teaching from uh, you know from 11 a.m. till till about uh, five or six, and uh, then then we you know and I so I have you know grab some lunch in in the middle there sometime and we have some dinner and and uh, then when when Aaron and Avis and I have a have a chance we do our rehearsals and uh, and uh, we're doing some writing and some arranging and we get. Uh, uh, we have a couple of friends that are doing some writing and arranging for us as well. And we'd like to encourage people that are interested to uh, to let us know, strike up a conversation, uh, let us know what's up. And, and uh, we're interested in, in doing new music as well. But we really like we really like music that 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 is um, um, harmonious because harmonious music tends to synchronize the hemispheres of the brain, which I brought up at the very beginning of our discussion. And, and uh, that, that synchrony helps us to get in touch with our subconscious mind as well. And the power in our lives comes from our subconscious mind. And if the more we can communicate, as you well know, the more we can communicate with our subconscious mind, the more it becomes the present. It eventually becomes the present. So if we're if we are aspiring to greatness, we say, "I am great. I play beautifully. Every note is a pearl. This is easy for me. I am great." And the more we say it, the more it kind of permeates our subconscious mind, and the more it becomes a reality. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to the dialogue most of us have with ourselves, especially when we're playing, you know the. The focus on everything that we've done wrong and uh you know that that harsh self-criticism um yeah so it, it's getting past that and and reprogramming and sure. getting things going so yeah that that's awesome so yeah. um here's what we're gonna do uh i the end of of every episode we do a little speed round and so i'm gonna do is i'm going to ask you a series of questions uh they're going to be on various topics and I just want your fastest and most honest answer to this. Uh, if you get it wrong, you will be dunked into a tank with sharks. So Sounds like fun. Okay, there we go. Are you afraid? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here we go. Our speed study round with Mr. Ronald Rom. Ron, who is the biggest influence on your life that is not a trumpet player? Albert Einstein. Mm. What is your favorite book? Um, Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon Hill? Gotta love it. Napoleon Hill. What's the worst movie you've ever seen? Rocky and Bullwinkle. Ooh. I thought you were going to stop at Rocky, but... Uh, no, no, Rocky <laughs> and Bullwinkle, because the Rocky movie... I love the Rocky movies. I got to tell you, I love them. Well, that's because your son does uh, a wonderful Sylvester Stallone. So, um, if you were not a trumpet player, what would you want to be? A pilot. What is your favorite drink? Alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Doesn't matter. Water. 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 You're going to be able to have this wonderful dinner party. And at this dinner party, you can invite any three living people on the face of the earth. 
who would they be? Any three living people. Three living people. That's hard. I can name people that are already gone to the next living people. Zubin Mehta. Um, Leonard Slatkin. Leonard Slatkin? Yeah. You know Leonard Slatkin, the conductor of the, of the St. Louis Symphony? Oh, yes, 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 yes. International Orchestra. He's a brilliant pianist and a great baseball fan. And, and uh, I, I need a third one. I, I, I think I think um, probably invite my wife, Avis. That would be good. Leave Aaron at home, though. <laughs> okay. Same dinner party scenario. But this time, any three people who have passed, any three people from history. Okay. Um, I, liked, I liked musicians, so I think Ingolf Dahl would be one. He was a wonderful musician. Uh, from uh, he, he climbed the Matterhorn three times, and 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 he was he was just a, an incredibly interesting person. He was a Swiss um, musicologist, composer, uh, arranger, brilliant pianist, um, and I think um, maybe um, maybe. Uh, well, again, Albert Einstein. I think it would be great to have Albert Einstein come and hang out. It'd be fun to hear him talk. And uh, a third one who'd already passed. It's not very speedy, am I? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a sign of age, Ron. Sign of age. Don't know. Don't know a third one. Just have okay. to go with two. We'll, we'll, we'll keep a, an empty chair there. Empty chair. That's where, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, lacquer plated or raw? Say it again. Lacquer plated or raw? Plated, gold plated. Gold plated. All right. What is your favorite quote? If nobody did anything, nothing would get done. That's Arnold Fromm. I thought you were going to say never more at first. Never more, okay. Uh, what is your greatest fear? Being incapacitated to the point where I can't move and move and, and live. My greatest fear is being incapacitated. Mm. You notice that, that I'm still fairly fit and I'm still doing what I can do. I'm a cancer survivor. 2004, I had colon cancer. Mm. And, and, uh, and that gave me a very interesting perspective on, on life. Absolutely. And also, it also taught me that, that the most important thing that we can do as animals is to keep moving. Right. So if that were taken away, that, that yeah. That's, that's my greatest fear. I'm a cancer survivor as well, so I, I'm, I'm with you on that. So, yeah. Good. Get your screenings, people. Get yeah. your screenings. Yeah, big time. Uh, mine was a voluntary colonoscopy. I had no symptoms, no reason to go. The doctor, yeah. did, the doctor didn't want to do it. I, so I said, no, no, it's time. 
Yeah, mine was uh, mine was prostate cancer, and it was caught because of a physical, the first physical I had ever had. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so yeah, you, you never know, folks. So uh, yeah, please get your screenings. All right. After that public service announcement, we will go back into our speed round. <laughs> um, you could only you're going to be granted one superpower. What would that superpower be? I've already been granted it. The ability to communicate. I thought you were going to say your mustache. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> so when I was when when I was uh, growing my 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 facial hair, and the, our children were very small, um, Avis and I, I I said to Avis. Um, she said, what do you do when the, when, when they, they ask, what do you look like? And I said, well, we'll go in the bathroom and we'll shave off the beard and the, and the mustache and we'll see what I look like without it because they never knew me until. And one day, Aaron, who was quite young, said, Daddy, what do you look like without your mustache and beard? I said, oh, okay, let's go find out. And I shaved it all off. <laughs> And didn't he say, please grow it back or? Well, I said it'll grow back. So, but, but Avis didn't want to talk to me for uh, three weeks. <laughs> didn't recognize Who's a stranger? Oh, that's great. All right. Um, what aspect of trumpet playing do you feel is the most overrated? Well, it's three parts, higher, louder, faster. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's it's three answers, but but yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. I know know what you mean. Uh, what aspect of trumpet playing do you feel is the most underrated? Melodic, beautiful melodic playing and intonation. So it's two things again: intonation, which is musicianship. Okay. I think most of the thing that's under that that, and I need to qualify this. I, I know I'm going outside the the the. the parameters of the answer you go uh, for it what one one of the things that really is distressing to me is that we forget that we are supposed to be musicians first and trumpet players next and musicians play in tune they sing in tune and and they and and the the, the melody is 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 ensconced with intonation the, we're on the third generation of trumpet players who refuse to play low D and low C sharp in tune. Third generation now, and I've watched it. It's absurd. Please play in tune. Well, you know, let, let's let, let's go with that for just a second. Um, so you said the third generation of players who refuse to play D and C sharp in tune. What? precipitated that in your your observation just just either a, a, a conscious or unconscious uh, uh, inability to move the slide and play as though play 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 as though those notes can be in tune we assume that they are out of tune because they're out of tune that doesn't assume that they shouldn't be in tune we're musicians musicians play and sing in tune so D, and there's a, there's a, there's a, 
There's a rubric that I use to, for my students. Can I show you guys? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, all right. So you let me know if it's breaking up. It should be all right. Um, I take the, let's, let's say we're tuning D. So take the D on the, on, the four, on the fourth line and then play the third valve like first and third, first and third, and adjust it until they match. And that position should be very close to where your low D, the octave below, should be. And you'll mostly see that it's significantly farther out. So let me show you that one. And then we're going to do C sharp. There's your low D. Hmm. Okay. And here's the C sharp. It's way out there. Wow. Way out there. <laughs> okay. And it's not that hard. All you got to do is use your ears. Now, if you don't want to use your ears, become a drummer. Well, if you you got to have your good. You gotta, yeah, I know. If you don't want to use your ears, don't use your slides. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Okay, that's my right. that's my that's my soapbox. I'm sorry, I didn't okay. mean to get on the soapbox, but it was important. Ron's soapbox. All right, um, you can go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice about music. What would it be? Continue to listen to it, even if it doesn't sound like music. Continue to listen to it. Mm, okay. And while you're back there, you don't want to make too many trips, but while you're back there, you're going to give yourself one piece of advice about life. Don't let fear stop you. Awesome. All right, and we got one last question for you. What do you want your legacy to be? It's already here. I just, just maybe if, if anything, the legacies is that we've, we've continued to learn to communicate. We've been on the planet as a, as a species for many thousands of years, many thousands of years. Um, the most difficult thing about being on the planet as a species is our ability or inability to communicate. So if I had a legacy to live, to, to give, it's continue to learn to communicate, which is my desire as well. Well, Ron, you are certainly living up to that. Uh, you communicate uh, as a teacher, you, you've communicated so well with, with me tonight, and your music communicates uh, your love and your joy and your belief that music is a healing power to anyone who has ever been blessed enough to listen to you. So thank you for your contribution to the world of trumpet, 
to the world of music and just to the world in general. You're just a, you know, you're an awesome dude. Oh man, thank you so much, Jose. It's really a pleasure. As I said at the very beginning, it's a pleasure and honor to be with you and with all of your people. And, uh, and I mean people, I mean everybody, all people. All people. People. Yes. So um, make sure you take advantage of uh, the kind offer to get uh, those fundamentals with uh, great Ronald Rom with uh, at the Ron Trumpet Academy and uh, use that code Gurus100 and uh, the links are down in the show notes. So just check those out and uh, and please do that because uh, even if you're if you're a be- if you're a beginning student, this will get you on the right path. Uh, if you're a professional, it's uh, going to help you to just uh, really reset your reset your your thought pattern. And uh, you know, if you're a teacher, maybe you can borrow some other stuff. There it is, it is Guru Guru One Hundred. Boom! Right there. All right. That's what we're talking about. Okay, so thank you for spending time with us today, and uh, you know, just keep practicing and keep focusing on those fundamentals and communicate with each other from a place of love and understanding and as always trumpet guru folks peace and slide grease we're out hey thank you so much for hanging with us today this podcast is all about creating connection through our mutual love for the trumpet life i hope that you learned a few things about today's guest and had some laughs along the way don't forget to give us a review we love those five-star ratings And please share this podcast with your friends. We want to see our hang grow for show. Have a suggestion for a future topic or a guest? Hit me up at thetrumpetgurus at gmail.com. Our opening theme was written and performed by Lexi Signor, and all other music comes courtesy of The Greatest Funeral Ever. So in the words of W.C. Handy, life is like a trumpet. If you don't put anything into it, you don't get anything out. So go out there and let your trumpet sound. And I'll see you at the next hang.